All right, we'll say good morning. Let's uh, let's begin. So today's daf is Samachay, sixty-five. We are picking up Samach Dalal Amud Bay sixty-four B, the second wide line. So a lot to do today. Really beautiful Gemara. So it says the Gemara. So we'll say we're just going to finish up this this sugya. So remember again, we spoke about there are two pesukim, two pesukim that speak about that speak about kefal, that speak about double payment. So the shaila we've been having up until now is how to darshan those two pesukim. What do they refer to? So the Gemara says according to the opinion that says that one pasuk refers to the ganav himself, one pasuk refers to a shomer that claims Yadam was stolen. To teach that both of these individuals are subject to the laws of kefal, the like ganav mehasam, and therefore he learns out. He learns out Ganov from the source we mentioned yesterday. So we'll say, if you use, remember again, the discussion we discussed, the idea we discussed yesterday was, what do you do with it? So if you use, like Rav, like Rav Bar Ahiloi, remember again, Rav Bar Ahiloi used to teach me the concept of Moda Biknas Potter. The idea is that if the Shomer, if the Shomer goes ahead and lies, and then ultimately admits that he lied, that he stole the object, then Allah again, he's going to be Potter. And that is true what? That is true even if witnesses came afterwards. If witnesses came after his admission, he would still be Potter. So the Gemara says, Abal Kohani Prati Lamali, but why do I need all of the other specifics in the Pasuk? So this goes in accordance with Tanah Debeir Bishmol. The Tanah Debeir Bishmol, Say any pasuk that is repeated was only repeated for something that was nishadish, for something ultimately again that was introduced that was novel. So we'll say, what's the novelty here? So I might have thought that even a ganav should only have to pay kefel if he first took a false shvua, meaning let's say the ganav was caught, and then he said, I didn't steal anything. He swore to that effect. And then I would think, and then he's found out to be lying. That's what I would have thought would have been the case where he'd have to be kefel. Because Rabbi Yaakov says, the Pasuk says, you have to pay kefel even without a shvua. After Omer Shalabishvua, so you say without a Shvua, maybe it means not only with the Shvua, so Amrit Lokach Haya. So we answer to that, that is not the way it is. So Lo said, is a very interesting answer for the Gemara to give. So the Gemara says, I would have thought that maybe you only have to pay Kefal when what? When ultimately the individual has taken a Shvua, to which the Gemara answers, no, that's not the way it is. To which the Gemara says, My Lokach Haya. What kind of answer is that? No, that's not the way it is. So had the, so had the Torah not said, had not spoken about Kepo by Ganov, and I would have said, I would say, even if the Torah did not teach me the obligation of Kefal by Aganov, but would have just taught me the obligation of Kefal by towing Tainas Ganov, I could have learned that from a Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? So we'll say, when it comes to a Shomer, remember the Shomer, the object came to his hand in a permissible fashion. And yet what? If he steals it, he's obligated to go ahead and... Pay kefal, ganav atzmo de beisura asaliade. So we'll say a ganav himself, where again the object comes to his hand in a prohibited state. Lokol shekain, all the more so again he should have to pay kefal. 
Ella Shnayim Yishanim because of Rachmana began of Atzmolamli. If that's the case, why does the Torah have to speak about Kefal by the Ganav himself? Why would it not have just been understood? To teach me that's what Tzibos saying that a Ganav goes in and pays Kefal even what. Even without a shvua, meaning again, Abos says, opposed to the case of the shomer, where the shomer only pays kefal if lemaisa again he's first taken a shvua that he did not steal the object, then discovered to have been lying. That does not apply to a ganav himself. Ganav will go and have to pay kefal even in the absence of a shomer. To which the gemara says, So we just said before that himatze is used for the drasha of Rava Bar Ahiloi. And that drasha taught me that if, that if the, that if the, if the Ganav is Moda Biknas, if the Ganav is Moda, if he admits that he stole, then remember we have a principle, Moda Biknas, whenever you admit a fine, which, which Kefal is, then you are putter from that fine. So Rava Bar Ahiloi said that even if the Ganav went ahead and admitted the fine and subsequently witnesses showed up, He's still going to be potter from the knas. So ultimately, says the Gemara, but is that true? Is that what we use he must say, he must say for? But after all, the Gemara says, Hami Barley, we need he must do it for something else. Lechidisanya, we need it for the following. Yado, Eli Elo Yado. So we'll say the Torah says Yado. This is talking about him he must say, he must say, be Yado. I both say, if let's say we find the stolen object in the hand of the Ganov. So I only know, Eli Elo Yado. I only know that the Ganav has to be kefal if what? If what? If you actually find the object in his hand. Gago, chatseiro, karfifo minayin. We'll say, what happens if I don't find the object in his hand, but instead, I find it in his chatser, I find it in his backyard, I find it in his house. How do I know that he's still subject to the laws of kefal? Tamud lomar im himatse timatse mikomakom. Because the Pasuk says, himatse timatse, meaning himatse timatse, understanding means wherever you find the object. So wherever you find the object, ultimately, again, the Ganav will be subject to Kefal. So the Gemara says, Im Kain, well, if that's the case, then I will say, now we have a Kasha. So the Gemara wanted to say that beforehand, we learn Himatzei Timatzei to teach me, Mode Biknas Pater, that if I admit a penalty payment, I am exempt, even if witnesses came along afterwards and said that I'm Chayiv. So now we're saying, but Himatzei Timatzei teaches me that a Ganav is Chayiv Kefal, if the object is found, not just in his hand, but what? Wherever it'll be, wherever, it, wherever it's found, in his property or on his person. So which one is it? So we'll say, if the Pasuk was just coming to teach me that the, uh, that the Ganav is Chayef for Kefel, wherever the object is found on his person or in his property, let it use the same lotion of Himatse, Himatse, or Timatse, Timatse. Midishanikra, I will say, why is it that it says Himatse, Timatse? Why use two different words? Shmamina Tarti. To teach us, I will say, that from that phrase we learn two lessons. What are the two lessons? Lesson number one, like Rava Bar Ahiloi, namely that what? Mode Biknas Potter. Even if witnesses subsequently came along and testified that the person committed the particular crime, that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, a Ganav will be Chayef Kefel no matter where the object is found, whether it's found in his hand, on his person, or ultimately in his property. Good. So it says the Gemara Gufa. Amirav, Karen, 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 Kein Sheganav Karen Shein Sheganav. So we'll say now we're actually going to come to a very interesting discussion, which has to do with how we evaluate payment. How do we evaluate payment? So Rav says, we'll say when it comes now, what we're going to see, by the way, now obviously 
This is a fundamental Shailah because this deals in situations where there's a fluctuation in the value of an item between the time that it was stolen and between the time ultimately again that it is recovered. So the is going to discuss now how do you account for those price, for those value fluctuations. Sagufa, Amarab. Karen Kein Shaganov. So when paying back Karen, Karen is principal. So when assessing the principal amount, so that we look at the value of the item, at, of the object, at the time it was stolen. Tashlume Kefel, Vitashlume Arbava Hamisha. For Kefel, Kefel, which is the double payment, Arbava Hamisha, which is the payment when you steal a sheep or an ox and you steal it, you slaughter it and you sell it. That's the four and five times penalty payment. Kishas ha'amada bedin. So we'll say for Kefel and for Arba v'chamisha, we assess those amounts based on the time that the matter is brought to the Beisdin. So we'll say, remember, the common denominator between Kefel and Arba v'chamisha is what? Is what? They're both knossos. Right? They're both knossos. At the end of the day, they're both knas. So therefore, the Gemara seems to be saying is the following. For monetary payments, for mamon payments, like Karen, that is going to be assessed at the time, that value will be locked in at the moment the object was stolen. For Kefal and Arba Vechamisha, which are Knas payments, those values will be established at the time of the adjudication of the case, when the case is brought before Beisdin. So Mar says, okay, my time is the Rav. So we'll say, why this distinction? Amar Kra Rav says, Gneva Vechayim. So Rav says like this, the Pasuk says, this is the Pasuk we spent all of yesterday discussing, So again, so the, Gimar, the Torah says both the word, both the word, Gneva and Chaim in the Pasuk. So I'll say, so I don't understand, why do I need both of these statements? In other words, once you've said, once you've said Gneva, Gneva includes everything. Why do they need to include the word Chaim? Oh, because Rav's teaching me, the Pasik's teaching me, literally bring the Karen back to life like it was at the time that you stole it. In other words, so Chaim Gineva teaches me that whatever the state of the object was at the time that it was stolen, then Lamaisa again, the Ganov, is obligated to pay the Karen, the principal, according to that value. So Karen, according to Rav, Karen is going to be locked in at the time of, of the theft. Amr Rav Shesha. So listen to this, this is amazing. Rav Shesha says, Amina kinayim v'shochiv Rav Amr l'hashmaita. I'm pretty sure Rav was half asleep when he said this. Right? So Rav says, Rav Shesha, in other words, that's, that, that's a nice way of saying, I would like to politely disagree. Right? In other words, Rav Shesha, so, so, so we have to understand, when Rav Shesha you know, in general, when we hear statements like this, we wonder to ourselves, like, what a strange way of interaction. So I'll say, so understand, understand that when it comes, Gimara is all about the Milchama for Amita Shal Torah. It's all about the quest and the Milchama, the war for MS. And when there's the possibility that something other than MS is espoused, sometimes the reaction is quick, decisive, and swift. So here you have Rav Shesha saying, Rav, how can you be so irresponsible to say such a thing like that? Meaning what you're saying is so profoundly wrong that you could only have said it when you were half asleep. So the Imrosa, remember, understand also. So the other piece is, Tarsha Balpeh, remember once upon a time was what? 
was Baal Peh, which means that when they're having these discussions in the base Medrash, so what happens? The Talmidim are there looking on. Now you understand what happens. What happens? Somebody hears Rav's statement, and then what happens? They go to get a cup of coffee. So they go, right? They, they, they go, they leave the base Medrash to go to get the cup of coffee, and they don't hear the other part of the discussion. Rav Shei what could happen? What kind of Churban could happen over here if somebody only gets half? They say, Rav, how can you be so irresponsible to say such a thing like that? It must have been, you were half asleep. So, this time, because we learned, I will say, so why does Rav Sheshis object so vociferously? This time, we learned, Kichusha Vishmina, Kichusha listen to this. Let's say I stole an animal that was very weak, and I fattened it up. Now, I'm the Ganov. I'm the Ganov. But, you know, I'm a Ganov that has sensitivity to animals. I'm a Ganov that works for PETA. Right? So I, so I go ahead, so I steal the animal, and then I fatten it up afterwards. So what happens? So we'll say, so now what happens? I, I go ahead, either I'm caught, either I'm caught, or let's, let's, let's keep it easy. It's almost a little, I go ahead and I decide to go ahead and do tshuva, and I return the object. So what say, so now the shaila is, how do I pay? So the Gemara says, So we'll say, interestingly enough, this Bryce says that you pay kefel and arba in accordance with what? In accordance with the value at the time you stole it. So we'll say, so what do you see from here? Now, the assumption over here is if arba are being are being assessed from at the time you stole it, then what else is being assessed at the time you stole it? The pastor's Karen as well. So, so again, the Bryce, the Bryce clearly contradicts Rav. Rav was saying Kefal and Arba Vechamisha are assessed at the Shas Hamadas Bedin, the time when the, when the case is being brought before Bezdin, and Karen is being assessed at the time that you stole. Here, Tashlumi Arba Vechamisha are being assessed at the time that you stole. So says the Gemara, says the Gemara, Mishum Do Amrle, so Rav says, no, 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 first of all, it's not a kasha. Mishum Do Amrle, Ana Patimna Va'at Shakalt, because in this case, the Ganav could say, listen, I'm going to give you back the animal. But I fattened up the animal. So I, sh- I paid for the fattening of the animal, and you should reap the benefit. In other words, that Rav will say, even I would agree in this case. Meaning, even Rav who says that under normal circumstances, Arba Bechamisha and Kefal are assessed at the time of the, uh, of the basin, of the Hamada Bedin, even Rav would agree that in a case where I stole a lean animal and I fattened it up, that Arba Bechamisha and Kefal can't be assessed at the time that the animal is brought to the basin. Why? Because I, the Ganav, put in the money to fatten up that animal. So I put in the money to fatten up the animal and I should have to pay Arba Bechamisha or Kefal based on that. That's illogical. But under normal circumstances, Rav would say Arba Bechamisha and Kefal are assessed at the time of the adjudication of the case versus Karen, that value is locked in at the time that the animal was stolen. Tashma, so we're not finished. Tashma, Shemina ve'echisha. So let's go to the reverse case. Animal was fat, and then the animal became lean after it was stolen. But I will say now, what, what, how did it become lean? So Rashi points out the last wide line of Rashi, last word on the line ve'echisha. So Rashi says Haganov echisha be'adayim b'torach malacha o b'makel. So I say this is talking about a case where what? Where not that the animal lost weight on its own, but Lamaisa, because the owner mistreated it. Either when I say the owner, I mean the Ganav, right? The Ganav mistreated it. Either he worked it too hard, he hit it, whatever it is. The point is that it diminished in its size. So the Gemara says, Tashma Shmini Vechisha, Mishan Tashlumi Kefal, Tashlumi Kefal, Vitashlumi Arbe Vechamisha, Kein Shaganav. So what does the Brisa say? We go ahead and we pay Arbe Vechamisha and Kefal in accordance with its value at the time that it's stolen. So we'll say, so what, so again, remember this contradicts Rav, because Rav said that when you assess Tashlumi, you assess Kefel and Arba Vechamisha when? When? 
And yet here the price is saying that you assess like the value of it was the time that it was stolen. To which the Gemara says again, Rav would say, We'll say this is actually a very interesting phrase which we're going to spend some time discussing. Rav would say because at that moment the owner could say, what does it matter if you kill my animal all at once or if you kill my animal a little bit at a time? In other words, interestingly enough, Rav would say that the act of mistreating of the animal that apparently ultimately leads to its death is by definition the very beginning of killing the animal. Therefore, again, essentially one could posit that the death of the animal begins at the moment that the thief stole it and therefore its value is locked in at that time. Rashi says, from the moment ultimately again that you stole it, that's when we consider like the slaughtering has begun. So I'll say, so interestingly enough, it's a fascinating, fascinating idea. So therefore, obviously, this answer only works in the case of Arba Vechamisha, but that's what he's positing. Ki Amar, Ki Ka'amar Rav, Biyukra Bezua. So I'll say, so here's the Shaila. So now, every case we bring up, Rav says to us, you're right, that case is an exception. Okay, so Rav, which case were you talking about? Meaning, when you, when you espouse the rule that Karen is locked in at the Shaskineva, the value of Karen, the value of the principle, is locked in at the time that you stole the object, Arba Vechamish and Keva are assessed when? Bishas Hamada Bedin. So tell me, what is your case? So Kika Amarav, Biyukra Vizulahu. So we'll say, so says Rav, I'll tell you why there's so much confusion, because up until now, you've been bringing against me cases of where the animal was fat and became lean, or the animal was lean and became fat. This has nothing to do with the girth of the animal, says Rav. What this has to do with is what? Is value. Is value. Same cow. Same cow. But what happens if, let me say again, I steal the cow? It's worth $1,000. And then ultimately, again, at the time of Hamada Bedin, at the time when I brought to the Basin, ultimately it goes down in value. Not because the cow became any thinner. It's Mamish, the same exact cow. It's just the cattle market has changed. And therefore, the mice, again, it's only worth $500. So, Kikamarab Biyukra, when I stole it when it was expensive, the Zula. And then ultimately, at the time when I brought before Basin, to go ahead and adjudicate the case, it has become, it has, it has gone down in price. So who did Ka'amar? So what's the case? Hey, Dami. So says, well, what's the case? Well, so you understand, by the way, these, these, these sugyas are riveting because this mamish is like exceptional in the Maisa. This happens all the time. Rarely, rarely do you go ahead and what? Do you steal an object? I mean, hopefully rarely do you steal an object, right? Right? Semicolon. And then, right, and ultimately, again, the item has the same value. I always say, I steal Ruvain's car. So, you know, every mile you drive your car, right? So the car depreciates. So, again, so how do you account for this? So the object is there. The object is there, but the mice, the value is different. So I will say, so understand, under normal circumstances, where Karen, where, excuse me, where Kefal and Abba Hamisha don't apply, so the answer is simple. What's the answer? What's the answer? You give, you give back the object. In other words, so we'll say this two, two simple answers. If the object is still in existence, I just give back the object. Now, again, do I have to pay for wear and tear on the object? So that, that we'll discuss. Where the object is in existence, I, I pay for the object. 
where the where the object is not in existence, I pay for the Karen as it was at the Shah well, Sion sounds according to Rav, I pay for the Karen at the Shaskinaver, both say, but again, the big shot that we're going to get into, I'm just giving you like coming attractions, just to whet your Talmudic appetite a little bit. So what's amazing about this is the big question that's going to come up also is, well, what happens when replacement value is not the same? You know, you take something from someone, you give them the Karen at the time that you stole it, according to Rav, but to now repurchase the item is going to be more money. So we'll discuss that as well. So it says the Gemara. So what is Rav's case? Rav's case is where the item was expensive and then it got less expensive. It went down in value. So what's the case? If you want to say that in the beginning it was, it was, it was worth a Zuz. And at the end it was worth four Zuzim. So Karen Shkein Shaganov. So the Gemara says, would you pay the Karen in accordance with the time that you stole it? So the Gemara says, Lema pliga derav aderabba. So we'll say, so let's analyze this. See, if you want to say that you stole an object that was worth a zuz, and at the end of the day, it, it appreciated, and it became dalit zuzim, so now you're telling me that when I pay Karen, I have to pay in accordance with, I, well, I have to pay in accordance with the value of the time that I stole it. If that's Rav Shita, then Rav is arguing on Rabba. Because what does Rabba say? Rabba, say, if I stole a barrel of wine from my friend, when I stole it, it was worth a zuz. And what happens if I say, let's call it at the end. At the end means, again, when I'm going to settle up because I stole the object, it was worth four zuzim. So we'll say, so what's talacha? So tavra, so tavra, oshasya. So we'll say, if I broke the barrel or I drank the barrel, mishalim dalit. I have to pay four zuzim. So we'll say, here the Gemara says that if I actively destroyed the barrel of wine, either by drinking it or by just breaking it, I have to pay dalit zuzim. I have to pay the current value of the wine. It bar memela mishalim zuza. Interestingly enough, if the barrel broke by itself, then what? Then I only have to pay a zuz. So both say, see here you have Rabbah going ahead and arguing on Rabbah. Because according to Rabbah, how are you assessing Karen? You're assessing Karen again at the, the present value of the item. Not Kimo Shaskineva, like not, not locked in at the time at which it was stolen. So we'll say, so just as an aside, we're not going to get into it now, but Rashi explains over here with this distinction ultimately again between valuating the, between when I drink the item when I drink the item or when I actively smash it versus when it breaks. When I drink the item or when I break the barrel, I'm actively acquiring that item. When I act, so I actively acquire it at the moment that I drink it. So since at the moment that I drink it, it's what? It's worth four zuzim. Therefore, again, that's the money that I'm liable ultimately to the owner of the barrel. Masha'in came when the barrel just breaks by itself. I didn't do anything. Then Lamai said, there's no new active gezel. The active gezel is the same active gezel that I committed when it was worth one zuz. Therefore, my liability is locked in at one zuz. The point of Osai is that Rabba, Rav is contradicting Rav. Because Rav wanted to say that the value of Karen is locked in at the time that the item was stolen. But yet Rav is saying, no, not necessarily. If you actively, quote-unquote, destroy the item, even through consumption or through just through active breakage, Lamites, again, the value of the Karen will be assessed at the time of the consumption or breakage. So we're just struggling to figure out what is Rav's case? Meaning, what is the case where Rav said that we assess Karen at the time of the Gneva and Arav Echamisha and Kefal at the time of Ahmad Abedin? Kikam Rav, Kigo de Nekar Shav Yedalalabasov Shav Yezuza. Oh, we'll say Rav's case is where what? It was originally worth, let's say the item that was stolen was originally worth Dalit Zuz and then it depreciated, it went down in value, so now it's worth a Zuz. 
Karen, Shikain, Shaganov. So we'll say, when you pay Karen, so the value of Karen will be locked in at the time the item was stolen, namely at Dalad Zuzim. Tashlumi Kevot, Tashlumi Arba Vechamisha. Bishas, Hakishas, Ha'amod, Abedin. So we'll say, but Kefal and Arba Vechamisha will be assessed, they will be evaluated at the time that you are brought to Bezdin. So Tani Rabbi Hanina, the Siri, the Rav. So we'll say, Rabbi Hanina brought a Braisa to support Rav. So listen to this. So let's say I deposited my object with Ruvain. What happens? I come to collect it from Ruvain. What does Ruvain say? It was stolen in the middle of the night. Then what happens? And he swears that it was stolen in the middle of the night. And then I will say he admits, Hoda, he admits to what? That he himself stole it. So I will say, so now understand what's happened over here. So now, now he, he owes me what? He owes Karen. He owes Kefel. He owes a fifth, right? A one-fifth penalty, ultimately, again, for, shvua, for taking a full shua, plus an asham gazelas, plus, plus a carbon. So watch this. Ubo edim, so we'll say, remember that, then witnesses come afterwards, after the admission, after the admission, to say, we saw Reuven steal the object. So says the Gemara, says the Brayse, so we'll say, if ultimately he admitted, he, I'm, I'm sorry, take away the kale for just a moment. If, if he admitted, if he admitted before the witnesses came, then Mishalim Karen v'chomesh v'asham. Then he has to pay the Karen, the principal, the Chomesh, which is the one-fifth penalty for false oath, and the Asham Gezelos. But I will say, what isn't he paying? He's not paying Kefel, because why? Moda b'knas pata, because since he admitted, bless you, since he admitted liability, he's exempt. However, v'imishabo edim hoda, but both say, if Reuven only admits his transgression, he only admits the theft after the witnesses came, then what? Mishalim tashlumi kefel, v'asham v'chomsh, so okay, mishalim tashlumi kefel, so both he has to pay kefel, and he has to pay, he has to bring an asham, asham gazelos, but watch this. V'chomsho ololo b'kfelo. However, again, his chomesh payment, his chomesh payment, the one-fifth, and the kefel payment are combined. Div Rabbi Yaakov. So we'll say, this is actually very interesting. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Mishalim kefel va'asham v'chomesh olo b'socha kefel, shari chomesh v'bailam hu, v'hu shakel, v'alkarcha chad Rabbi Yaakov v'shavin ke'echad ha'chomesh v'kefel. Kamai, so we'll say, listen to this. So Rabbi Yaakov says that since both the kefel and the chomesh are penalty payments, ultimately that are owed to the same person, right? Reuven owes both the kefel and the chomesh to me. Therefore, again, the kefal and the chomish payments combine as one, meaning you don't have to pay the same payment once. Narashi is pointing out this is a very specific case, and we'll discuss this in just a moment, when the kefal and the chomish are the exact same value. When the kefal, now again, I will say at first glance that sounds like impossible, but we'll discuss how it's actually possible. When the kefal and the chomish are the same payment, so ultimately you don't have to pay them both, but rather one payment suffices for both. The idea is, both Chomesh and Kefal are penalty payments to the owner. What Rabbi Yaakov seems to be saying is, you can't be liable for multiple penalty payments for the same person. Therefore, in a case where the Chomesh and the Kefal are the same value, you'll pay one payment, which will have both identities to the owner of the object. That's Rabbi Yaakov. So we'll say, turn the page. Therefore, again, so this case, which is the case we're going to be focusing on, this is the case ultimately, again, well, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, well, actually, no, it does matter. This Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, again, if I go ahead and I'm paying, so in the case where I'm paying Kefel, Asham, Chomesh, Karen, so as long as the Kefel and the Chomesh are the same value, one payment will suffice. Fine. Amid Beis. Chachabno, the Chomesh say, Berosho, Vechamishaso. The Chamishi, so excuse me. So we'll say the Chachamim say 
quoting the Pasuk over here, where the Pasuk says, Yosef Alav. So the Chum quote this Pasuk, what did Nabo say? Birosho is a reference to principle. That means principle. And ultimately, again, sorry, and ultimately, again, so Birosho, Birosho refers to the principle. The Chamishi So refers, or Chamishi Sav, excuse me, refers ultimately again to the one fifth penalty payment. So says the Gemara, Mamon Hamishtalim Birosh. Mosif Chomer. So we'll say, this is now the sheet of the Chachamim. The Chachamim say that Mamon Hamishtalim Birosh. So we'll say, what that means is, when you pay principal, Mosif Chomer. Then ultimately again you pay a one fifth penalty payment. Mamon Shein Mishtalim Birosh. But I will say, when there is no, when there is no principal payment, then what? Ein Mosif Chomer. And there is no need for Chomer as well. Now what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. The Chom Mamon Hamishtalim Birosh. Shein Mishtalim Ela Keren. So we'll say, what the Chomer dashing is the following. The Pasik says, Birosho v'chamishisav. Birosho is principle. V'chamishisav is the one-fifth penalty payment. The position of the Chachamim is, the penalty payment, the one-fifth penalty payment, only exists in a case where, you're, where your sole liability is Karen. But if you have other liabilities like Kefel, then there is no one-fifth penalty payment. As we'll say, which the logic of that essentially is, according to the Chachamim, that you can only be liable one penalty payment per person. You can't have one person being liable multiple penalty payments. Therefore, when your only obligation is to pay the Rosh, is to pay the principal, then then you could be Chayef for Chomesh. But ultimately, again, where you are not just liable for what? Where you're not just liable for principal, but you're also for kefal, then there is no obligation in Mosif Chomesh. You do not add on a Chomesh. Fine. Rabbi Shemin Yochai, Rabbi Shemin Yochai says, in Chomesh va'asha mishtalim b'makum shi'ish kefal. Rabbi Shemin says that what? That Chomesh, that Chomesh, the one-fifth, and the Asham Gezelos, you are not liable for those situations where there is kefal. So also, Rabbi Shemin Yochai is seeing a little bit of a variation of this. That where there is chomesh and where there is, I'm sorry, where there is kefal, there is no chomesh and there is no asham. So we'll say, so again, all of this is a fundamental machlokas about the nature of one's liability in this particularly complicated case where the shomer is stealing the object, swearing that he did not steal it, swearing that it was stolen by someone else, and then admitting that he stole it, and witnesses then coming afterwards to say that they saw him stole it. So in that case, Rabbi say all of the liabilities on the table are technically Karen, Kefel, Chomesh, Asham. And now we just have the three-way, three-way machlokas about how exactly to understand what his liability is in that particular case. So Rabbi Yaakov will say, you're chayif for everything, except that what? That if the Chomesh and the Kefal payment are the same, then Lemaisa what? Then Lemaisa, again, you don't have to pay them both. You have the Chachamim saying that, no, you only pay, you only pay Chomesh where you're only chayif for Karen. But if there's a Kefal payment, there's no Chomesh. And Rabbi Shem goes a step further and says, that Chomesh and Asham do not apply in a case where there is Kefal. Fine. So we'll say, so what does all of this have to do with us? So the Gemara says, Katani mihas, but what we do take from this is, Chomesh ololo b'kfeil Rabbi Yaakov. So we'll say, so let's analyze this for just a moment. The phrase out of all of this that intrigues us most is Rabbi Yaakov's statement that if a person is chaye for both Kefal and Chomesh, two penalty payments, that technically speaking, as long as they have the same value, one payment suffices for both. To which the Gemara says, 
Hechidami. How can that happen? Say if you want to say in the beginning, the object was worth Dalit Zuzim. And, and then, and then what I will say, and then at the end it's still worth Dalit Zuzim. Then Chom Sha'ololo Bikfela. Then as a possible. So we'll say if it started out with the value of four Zuzim, and now presently I still retain the desire, it's the value of four Zuzim. So is it possible to say that the Chomesh and the, the old Chomesh could work, the Chomesh and Kefal could be the same amount? Kfela Arba. So let's remember again, the Kefal will be four. And they say the Kefal is four. Remember, Kefal is double the principle. So ultimately, if the principle is four, then ultimately the Kefal will be another four. And what? The Chomesha Zuza. And the Chomesh will be a Zuz. Right? So let's remember again, the way we go ahead and we evaluate Chomesh ultimately is by adding on another fifth part. Remember, we had this Machlokas. If, if Chomesh is Milagav or Milabar, is Chomesh ultimately, again, do you calculate it from the inside or do you go ahead and do you just add on another fifth part? So the Gemara here is passing Milabar, that ultimately, again, Milagav, excuse me, that ultimately, again, we go ahead and we add on a fifth part. So we'll say, if the item is worth four Zuzim, it was worth four Zuzim, at the time it was stolen, it's still worth four Zuzim, so the Kefal amount will be four Zuzim, but the Chomesh amount will be one Zuz. So obviously the two amounts are not the same. That in the beginning, at the time it was stolen, the object was worth four zuz. It's worth a zuz. So let's analyze this. The kfela zuza, because I will say now what? Now the kefal will be a zuz. Because remember again, kefal we're going to say is assessed. So the kefal is going to be a zuz. The zuza. And ultimately, again, the Chomesh will be a Zuz as well. To which the Gemara says, Alma, Karen, Kein, Sheganov, Tashlumi, Keifa, Tashlumi, Dalavai, Kishas, Hamadas, Bedin. So we'll say, so if that's the case, then ultimately, again, Karen is going to be established <coughs> at the time that it was stolen. And Keifel and Tashlumi, Dalavai are established, Kishas, Hamadas, Bedin. To which the Gemara says, Amarava, no, 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 the Olam, what's the case? Demei, Karashav, Yarba, Bosa, the case Rava says is where it was originally worth four. Bahashtanami Shavya Arba. So we'll say, and now it's also worth four. But one second, we went through that case and we said it didn't work. But the Kakashia, Kfela Dalit Bechumshe Zuza. We said before that case doesn't work. Why doesn't the case work? Because we'll say, if it was worth four and it's now worth four, then what? Kefal is how much? Kefal is how much? Four. And Chomesh will be how much? One. So what's the Pshat? This is, a, this is very interesting. Hakav Mayaskinan, Kiyon Shenishba. So also listen to this. It's a pretty wild case. The case we want is where Ruvain, I, I left it because I left the object with Ruvain, I left the cow with Ruvain. Ruvain, it was worth four, it was worth four Zuzim when I gave it to him, and it's now worth four Zuzim as well. But what happened? Ruvain swore that he did not steal it. And then what? He, and then, and then I will say, and then he swore again. Then he admitted that he lied. Then he swore, swore again. And he, in other words, he swore four different times. So we'll say, if a person swears four different times, and it turns out that's what? Each of them is a Shavuas Shav, and he admitted it to Bosai, he's Chayiv what? Four different times. That Torah Amra, Vichamish, excuse me, Sav. Now, say interestingly enough, when it says Chamishi Sav, Chamishi Sav also has a plurality to it that ultimately could refer to more than one Chomesh. The Torah ultimately takes into account the possibility that a person could be chayiv multiple chomeshes bekaren achas for one particular principle. So we'll say ultimately again the Gemara says so we'll say that that is obviously a very obscure case, but Rav says 
that would be the case of Osei where, where, remember, we're just trying to figure out, that would be Rav Yaakov's case. So according to Rav Yaakov, Rav Osei, if you had a situation where Lemaise, again, the Shomer stole the object. Shomer stole the object. And, again, Lemaise denied the fact that he stole it and swore four different times that he did not steal the object. And ultimately turned out that he lied on each of those Shavuos. So there'll be, again, in a case where the animal was worth four and is worth four, each Shavuos Shav represents the value of a Zuz. So in a case, therefore, where the animal was worth four and is now worth four, the, ca- the Kefa will be four Zuzim. And ultimately what? The Chomesh will now be technically four Zuzim as well. And that would be the case where Rabbi Yaakov would say you would only have to make one payment of four zuzim to the owners. And that one payment of four zuzim would ultimately encapsulate or, would, or, or represent both the chomesh as well as the kefal penalty. Fine. Amramar. Vecham say verosho vechamishisav. So let's remember, now we're going back a little bit. So the chachamim said that you only have to pay chomesh, or I should say verosho chamishisav, you only have to pay chomesh when the only liability is for, is for principal, is for Karen. So, but if, again, a person is obligated to pay Kethel, then there is no obligation to pay the one-fifth. The Pasuk says, ultimately, only when there's a Rosh, only when there's a principal payment, are you obligated to go ahead and pay the fifth. Only principal money has the one-fifth added on to it. Where there are payments, and additional to the principal, you don't have to pay the fifth. So says the Gemara, even though you don't have to pay the fifth penalty for the false oath, you will have to what? You will have to bring your Asham Gazelos. So ask the Gemara, so we'll say, so ask the Gemara, normally, you know, the one-fifth and the Asham go hand-in-hand. Hand. So why is it over here that Lamaiser being Mechalik were distinguishing between the Asham and the fifth? So So why is it that we don't pay the fifth? Because we'll say the Pasuk says, it's only when Rosh shows, only when there's just the principal payment that you have to pay the Chomesh. Asham nami lo Meshalim. So you should also not have to pay Asham. Why? Meaning you should not have to bring the Asham offering. Why? Because the next phrase is what? And the Asham offering. So just like you want to say that Chamishisav, the one-fifth, is juxtaposed to Rosho, that you only have to pay the one-fifth when it's Rosho, when it's the principal. So Ashamo is also juxtaposed there. And therefore what? You should only have to bring the Asham offering when what? So when there's a principal payment and not anything else. So according to the Rabbanon, the word S comes to go ahead and make a distinction. So we'll say, what, so what does that mean? Because remember, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, and then the next Pasuk says, so the Rabbanon will say, that V'es comes to make a break between Barosho V'chamishisav and Ashamo. To teach me that in any case where I took a false oath, even if I have to pay Kefal, I'm still going to have to go ahead and bring the Asham Gazelos. But Rabbi Shema Yochai says, Rabbi Shema Yochai says, V'es Arvekra, Rabbi Shema Yochai says, no, the V'es, Rabbi Osei, comes to what? Comes to link Asham to Chomesh. And to say, wherever you are potter from Chomesh, you will also be potter from the Asham Gazelos. Therefore, in any case, where you have to pay more than your principal, you have to pay more than Birosho, you're going to be potter not only from Chomesh, but also from what? Also from, also from the Asham Gazelos. For Rabbanon, Amri Lechad, Rabbanon say, Alo Lichtov Rachman, Alo Vav. Below S, so we'll say, so the Rabbanon will say the following. 
the Rabbanon will say, but let the Torah, that's the case, then I don't understand why does, let the Torah not say Vav, and let it not say S. In other words, it will say, S, S seems to indicate to, what, to, to us what? That Lamaisa, again, the object, that Asham is not part of Beroshovech HaMishisav. And yet, again, the Vav, according to Shem Yechai, comes to connect them. So says Zabar, I understand, if S is there to exclude, and Vav is there to include, just leave out the word altogether. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Shem and therefore, again, Rabbi Shem Yechai, if you're right, if the S was not there altogether, then what? I would have thought to link the Asham ultimately again with with the obligation for the Chomesh, to which the Gemara says, Shema Yechai, Omer Lechav, Shema Yechai would say, Es lo sagya, de lo kasav, de lo kasav, lafsuki be mamon gavor, le mamon hediot. So, so Rav Shema Yechai says, no. That ultimately, again, you need the S. Why do you need the S? Because the S is there ultimately, again, to distinguish between mamon gavor and mamon hediot. Rav Shema you're only chayyif for Chomesh when, when you steal the money of another person. So that's another person. But if you steal something from Hegdish, there is no obligation, ultimately, again, of Chomesh. Hilchach, Asa vav arvekrat. So we'll say, therefore, again, the S is necessary to distinguish. The distinguishing between mamon hedjot, between the mamon ultimately of an individual, and the mamon of hekdish. That's why the S is necessary. But Lamaisa, I would have, but if the S is there, I would have thought that what? That therefore the S also creates a distinction or creates a separation between the Asham, and between the Chomesh. Therefore, according to Rav Shema Yechai, the Vav comes along to link them back together and to tell you that wherever you are going to be Chayiv, ultimately, again, in the Chomesh, you'll be Chayiv in the Asham. But when you're not Chayiv in the Chomesh, not Chayiv in the Asham, therefore, when are you Chayiv in the Chomesh? Only Barosh Only Barosh Only when you're only Chayiv in principle. That's when you're Chayiv in the Chomesh, that's when you'll be Chayiv in the Asham. But if you're Chayiv in something additional than principle, like like um, Kefal, then you won't be Chayiv in the Chomesh, and you won't be Chayiv according to, in, in the Asham Gazelos either, according to the Rabbanam. Alright, they both say, we'll stop over here for today. Um, okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll, we'll see. Either, either I'll record it or, or we'll start. I mean, we're starting at 5.45 tomorrow, Mirat Hashem. Because of Rosh Chodesh, so there's no Mizaz Sharm tomorrow, Shir tomorrow, we'll start at 5.45. And stay tuned, just keep your eye on the WhatsApp group. The Mirat Hashem either will be recorded or we'll start here from tomorrow.